listening to Her Body on Body IOFM, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance, with your host, Alex Navarro. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body IOFM. I'm your host, Alex Navarro. And in studio today, we actually have my dad, Fred Navarro. Welcome, Dad. Welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's great to be here. This is, um, of all the things we've done together through Body IO, this is the first time we've actually sat down and recorded and had a chat before. Mm-hmm. So he happened to be in town for my son's first birthday party, which was a success. Big success. Big success. Really Fantastic party. So it just made sense to try to get him in studio and and chat a little bit. So I'm excited to talk today. Me too. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with my dad, he's done some article writing for Body.io. He's been on the podcast with Kiefer and Dr. Rocky before, mm-hmm. and he wrote a book, which we'll touch on a little bit today, and you know, just well-versed in the exercise, diet, healthcare world. So I figured today, especially after the last podcast that just came out on my personal use of exercise and how I use it or abuse it, even sometimes, (laughs) to deal with stress, sort of how that, how I got started doing that, how that plays into you know, my upbringing and things like that. So I thought that would be a fun conversation to have today. And your role in that. My role in that, yes. Yeah. (laughs) I just remember growing up and being able to be active with you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether we were like walking the dog or playing in the yard. I also remember you trying to do pull-ups on your arms. Yes. You would like hold your, yep. you know, hold your arms up like a bicep mm-hmm. pose and I would grab on and try to do pull-ups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good memories. Yep. Well, I remember seeing you, the first time I ever saw you really do a good run. And uh, I was impressed by your stride because it's like, whoa, she's a natural runner. <laughs> just like no one told you how to run, but the legs, the arms, everything. It was just like, wow. Yeah. You know, my story that I always remember about you is is you being a little baby on top of this couch. And I'm standing there thinking about, um, I got to make sure I catch you because she's at the top of this couch, like in, on the back of the couch. And then she laid on the top part where she's basically the back of the couch and there's nothing behind it. And I'm thinking I'm going to be ready to catch her in case she rolls over. And she rolled over. I wasn't there in time. But she put her arm up in this, this weird kind of way, and she landed on her feet like a cat, <laughs> like nothing had happened. And and other, another kid, any one of the other daughters would have been, bam, and it's crying, you know, like this whole thing. But she just landed. I'm, I'm, what That was amazing to me. Consciousness of her body and how to just put her into a certain spot, and she's upright. Yeah. That was incredible. <laughs> I was meant to flip around, I think. Mm-hmm. Meant to flip around. Yeah, it was whatever it was, but that you, that you knew to do it. Yeah. 
and that you put your hand up in just this kind of strange way that you land on your feet. <laughs> I was I was shocked. I I'd never like, I'd never seen that happen before. Yeah. <laughs> never. Well, especially with you know having my my older sister and and I'm I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but I'm one of three girls, the middle, and my older sister is not coordinated. No. Like at all. Not at all. Like not even a little. Like I feel like I I got it all. She whatever she didn't get, which was like nothing, I got all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I could see how like that night, would be a night little. and day, like <laughs> night and day. Interesting how that happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like I see some of that in Dominic now, who's my son. In case I never throw out his name, and that's. He, you know, I, I try not to catch him too much or, like, or be with right. the helicopter mom, you know. I try not to, like, hover around too much mm-hmm. and let him fall and, and figure things out on his own. But there are still times where I see him, you know, about to fall or trying something a little bit bold and I get really nervous. Like, oh, no, this, if he falls, it's going to be right really bad. But I also kind of want to see what he what he's going to do. See what, yeah. And see what he's going to figure out. And most of the time, he catches himself in very surprising ways. Mm -hmm. Like one of the first times he started standing up and walking, holding on to the cabinets in the kitchen. He would kind of walk along them. And he started to, he was reaching for a toy, but still trying to hold on to the cabinet. And he starts his, I could see his feet starting to slide. (laughs) And they're they're just, they're sliding. And I'm like, oh, he's going to go down. And I was actually cooking, so my hands were dirty. I remember thinking, should I wash him really fast and try to run over and catch him? And then he just, like, his legs continued to slide out from underneath him very slowly. And then he just slid his arm down the cabinet and landed in a plank. (laughs) And then sat down and grabbed the toy and crawled off. And I was like, oh, wow. First of all, that was a really great plank. (laughs) (laughs) And then just to, like, watch him, like, at the park and things. Yes. How he... Well, just he's just figuring it out, and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing that we figure out how to do anything. Yeah, <laughs> genetic. I mean, the, the genes are working there. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, well, another thing too that's interesting to think about as I'm watching him you know, start to grow up and develop his personality is very interesting to think about what. Well, A, what that personality is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Who is it going to be like? You know, how much of an influence do we have on what what his personality is like? And then also, like, what what we're trying to foster in him. So, like, obviously me and Dimitri are very active and we like to, you know, move around and have fun outside. So he's probably going to pick that up. But it's very interesting to think of... Of the possibilities of what they could pick up from the parent, how much will stick, and if they're actually interested in that. Mm-hmm. Because when I think about me and the sisters, you know, we all did sports. Yes. But it didn't really stick for the other two. No. At all. So it's just interesting to think about, you know, the influence that we have. You were always very active for mm-hmm. the most part. You know, we went on hikes and walks. And right. Played it in the park and things like that. So, and maybe that ties into 
you know, what the path type is and how much, because, well, let, let's explain that a little bit. Because for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> or have listened to the podcast where my dad was on with Kiefer and Dr. Rocky, and he talks about his work and the path types, um, it might might make sense to do a little background on that without going too deep so that as we talk about my path type and your path type and how that sort of shaped how well, we live. Yeah, yeah. There, there is... Uh, because of my experience with you, mainly, um, I've seen there's there's probably a genetic component to it, but the, the um, a path is describing a person's pattern of adapting to health. They generally form later in adulthood, like after the age of 25, um, as people get more involved in making decisions about health issues on their own, then they start to form a pattern of how they do that. Mm-hmm. And... The, the path are, are nine patterns that explain, that capture the, the level of diversity that actually occurs in a population. And I didn't know about any genetic component. They've been around for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I've discovered a lot about these patterns over time. And it's my experience with, with Alex in particular and with Danielle too, that there is got to be a genetic component to it. Because the first daughter, Jessica, you know, I adopted her. So he has none of my genes. Um, but you two do, yeah. and you uh, you show the physical side. I've always been an active person, yeah. and uh, so seeing it in you, I realized there's got to be a a part, especially because Jessica doesn't have any of it at all, right. which is very strange. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a complex. What makes a pattern form? Um, we have to have Dimitri do the test sometimes yeah, so see what the combination is there. Yeah. Uh, because he's an active person, but he's not active like you are. Right. He's okay. not committed to it like you yeah. are. He can force it out. Right. But it's not a natural thing. Mm-hmm. So the the patterns of adapting to health are important from, from that point of view because they do have long-term impacts on health and and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, well, when I was, so you said after 25 is the best time. Is that when someone's pattern is more likely to be present? Can they have it, can they have a path type sooner or is it less likely? Yeah, it's less likely. Um, there are certain people who have like a, you're independently healthy, mm-hmm. you're path eight, and I'm a path eight as well. And the signs of that can show up early, but your full pattern may not form until you start doing things on your own because people Making are decisions. It, yes, like because that. That it's it's adapting to your environment, your health environment. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination of your own genetic by, you know, affective and emotional makeup mm-hmm. and then how you respond to the environment based on those parameters. Okay. So it's, it's it's an interaction of you and your environment. It's not just your personality. Um, and so the patterns they 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 form over time. But until you start making decisions on your own, they really don't. We I've done a lot of people over the years, and people who have no pattern are the ones that that tend to say, "I don't make decisions on my own about how my health." Mm-hmm. Someone else does, or I don't rather that involved in it, so I don't know what I really want. I don't know what I prefer or don't prefer because I just don't try. Right. And those people have no pattern. You have to show some exertion of making decisions on your own. To have the pattern form. 
Okay, that makes sense. That's, that's why after the age of 25, it mainly occurs more, it occurs at a higher rate. Okay. Before that time, you'll have more people who don't have a pattern. But it shrinks as you get older. So as, as the population gets older, the, the people who don't have a pattern get smaller and smaller and smaller. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. Because you're going to adapt to, to a one way or another. Well, uh, no. There are certain patterns that can change. So um, it's funny. It's odd, too. I don't know why that is, but there are some patterns where it's constant throughout your life. Mm-hmm. and But there's some patterns that change depending on the changing your environment. Like the, the family-centered pattern grows in size when people in the childbearing age and children pop into the picture. Right. Well, that makes Very sense. family-centered. It will, it will be 3% before that, and all of a sudden it goes to 14. Mm-hmm. Until after the age of like 44, women start ha- stop having kids, it drops back down to 3 or, you know, 5%. Right, so right, right. that's the only one that does that. There's another family-driven pattern which stays constant throughout life, hmm. which is very strange. Right. I, I don't understand why that is, but I'm just reporting what we see. Do you, based off of that data, is, so let's go to family-centered mm-hmm. first. And if you guys want more information on what these path types mean, you can refer back to either the podcast episode or... The book, Pattern of Health. Pattern yes. of Health, with, mm-hmm. which is uh, on Body.io's site, if you're interested. But the family-centered is that is the population is the majority women. Or is, yes, yeah, yes, but it's, it's like a fifteen uh, percent more women than men. Oh, so not a lot. Not a big no, not a big gap. Mm-hmm. Not a big gap, but there is one, and it's constant over time. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the strange things about these patterns that that um, the original design just asks you about your behavior and how you respond to the environment. There's no sex question. There's no age question. But there are constant relationships between what sex you are and the pattern you belong to over time, across populations, over you know, which is which is entirely very bizarre to me. It's that's a mysterious. How can these behavioral patterns predict what gender you are reliably yeah, over time? That would be something to think about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very. That's why there's got to be a genetic component as well, because it's not probably not gender based in terms of in terms of the cultural. You know, gender is your cultural upbringing mm-hmm. versus sex, which is your biology. Right. You know, and but there is a sex difference between the path. Interesting, and I could see how that would be hard to explain. Like your motivation, like I, I just think of, you know, when I'm working with a client and, and they do have, you know, their spouse is supportive of what they're trying to do. I mean, and, and let me backtrack for a second. I get a lot of emails from husbands who want me to help their wives. But the wives aren't the ones to reach out because they're focused on the family. They're doing things for everybody else. You know, making sure that it, you know the kids are taken care of, and you know they 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 generally are putting themselves last. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be the one to reach out unless they're sort of nudged by the husband. And sometimes that means that the husband's the one who's reaching out, right, right, <laughs> and saying, "Please, <laughs> please don't talk to my wife." Um, and that's just interesting that you know they're the ones that either want the help or need the help, but they're either not comfortable enough to reach out or they don't feel like they're ready to do that you know they don't like they want 
to put that time and attention on themselves, but they either don't know how, they feel like it might be too much work for whatever else they have going on. Um, but it, in those situations, it's always like the husband's the one that takes, they take care of themselves. Right. Yes. In that regard. You know, they obviously do because they're listening in on the show and they, they're they familiar with, you know, the diet protocols. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't be reaching out. Or they hear how I talk about uh, working with clients on the show and, and sort of the 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 simple approach that I use. You know, it's not hardcore by any means, so it's very doable for most people. Um, but it's just interesting how that dynamic works. Well, the, the family-centered person in particular, it, it's a combination of being family first mm-hmm. and themselves last in a way. But by doing that, they put themselves first in it for themselves. By putting their family first, they're putting their own desires first because that's what they want. But they also use it as a crutch mm-hmm. to not spend time on themselves. Um, I know one of the things about about women in particular who have who are very family centered. They have higher rates of depression. They have higher rates of being tired, of feeling exhausted because they don't they don't nourish themselves enough because they're giving too much to the family. Mm-hmm. But it's but that's what they want to do. That's part of their, their drive. But at the same time, they use it to not do things like manage their weight better, you know, be a little more physically active, um, eat better. They they just they say, no, kids first, yeah. me first. That's just so interesting. I mean, I, but I, and I talked about this on a show not too long ago where I have battled with that over the past year in – having that they call mom mom guilt in wanting to knowing that I need to do those things for myself so that I can be a better mom but then in thinking about doing that and taking away time from being with him I feel bad right it's very conflicting but I know that that's what I need to do to be the best me for that, him no, that's that's true for everybody else <laughs> but it does feel both selfish at the same time yeah yeah, Which is awkward too, because I tell so many women that I work with, like, <laughs> it's fine. This is this is what you need to do. This is good for you. Everybody's happy. Everybody wins when you take care of yourself. But it is. I understand now the the sort of internal battle around that, mm-hmm. and just trying to have the same conversation I have with other people and have it with myself as to like why this is important. And whenever I do take care of myself, I notice a difference. And how present I can be and engaged and happy in general. Mm-hmm. But that's the independently healthy side of you. See, because you have that component and they know, independently healthy people know, I've got to give myself a certain level of maintenance. Mm-hmm. I have to have the maintenance. Yeah. I know how far I can push myself and if it gets too far, I'm not going to, I'm going to stop. Yeah. And that's the benefit of being independently healthy because independently healthy people are very good at self-regulation. They're very good at, at monitoring their state, monitoring where they are from a performance standpoint. Mm, yeah. And they say, I need time right now. Now i got to stop. Where the family-centered person doesn't have that self-regulatory ability. Mm. Because part of part of independently have people having it is because they work out more. And just being more physically active improves the part of your brain that is involved in self-regulation. And whereas family-centered people do not. Interesting. They just don't have that strength because they don't exercise it. 
Right. That's a tough one. It is. Because how do you how do you practice that then? Y- yeah, especially with a, with a, a truly family centered person, their their feelings of guilt are overwhelming mm-hmm. because the family's got to go first, and they don't ha- have the performance aspect of it in terms of the physical performance part of it. They just don't have that mm-hmm. as a drive, right. as a goal-directed thing they have to do. And so it's tough for them, a lot of work. It's almost convincing them of something they don't feel is important. Right. That's what's hard. That is hard. Well, yeah, that's just in in perhaps their genetic makeup, trying to change something like that would be... Difficult. Very difficult. Yeah, very, very <laughs> difficult, especially with young kids around. Yeah. Especially. I could see it being easier when there's not the kids around to divert them. Right. Because it, when the kids are in the picture, all the energy is going to go there. Right. When they're not there anymore. Or even just old enough to where, you know, they're they're a little more self-sufficient. Because I do yes. get clients whose kids are, you know, in their teens now, so they're, you know... They have more independence. They're not. I mean, some of them are even kind of you know, push a mom away. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm good. I can do my own thing. So now they're, they're looking to kind of fill that void. Right. So now they're starting to, to check back in and want to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. But even that's a challenge. It's like okay, they know they want to do that. They know it's important. But then trying to reintroduce these new habits. That will help them achieve what they what they want is really hard because getting out of that that mindset that they had for so long. Yeah, because see that because habit formation is the result of of sustained goal directed behavior in a specific direction. Mm-hmm. And you de- you develop habits around that so you can do it more efficiently. But if you don't have the goal directed thing in the first place, right. the innate drive to want to get this thing done, whatever it is. The habits won't form. They're very difficult to form yeah. because you they want to do something else, and their other habits are going to trigger in. Right. And, and the the big part of part of habit formation is that they're triggered outside your awareness. Mm-hmm. You put it, get yourself in the right environment, and you have an environmental cues. The environment they're going to start turning on those habits, right. and you're. You're doing them already because the brain will start activating those brain centers to start the behavior. Yeah. And you just go with the flow. Right. And stopping that is hard. Yeah. That's hard because you've programmed yourself. Right. To be efficient in the way you want to behave. When you try to change it, it's tricky because you've got to fight the non-conscious triggering. Right. And I think that's probably where I struggle in knowing what conversations I need to have with certain clients because we have different patterns Mm -hmm. and different behaviors and what seems like a logical behavior to me like oh you just you know plan out your meals (laughs) (laughs) you buy food ahead of time and you prep some food and you have it ready so that you always have food on hand right (laughs) that's very efficient it doesn't have to be complicated, you know, soft-boiled bunch of eggs. You know, for me, that's, like, just very logical. But trying to suggest that, well, I can suggest it easily, and the client always is like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. I could do that. And then they don't do it. 
No, or if they do do it, like well, my they might wife. Do it no, once. like my wife who who yeah. does do that, and then after the second day, I don't want to eat that anymore. Yeah, I want something else. <laughs> yeah. I don't want the same thing again. I mean, I, I eat the same thing pretty much every single day. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she goes, I don't know how you do that. How do you eat the same thing every single night? You have yogurt and fruit. How do you do that every every night? It's easy. Well, you just, you just do it's it. Just, <laughs> it's just do it. It's there. It's tasty. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they, no, but she just can't. She just, no, I just won't eat that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want the dried chicken with barbecue sauce on right. it and some vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> I want the fast food at that place on Mountain Boulevard. <laughs> which she'll have this every night if she wanted to, which yeah. doesn't also make sense. Mm-hmm. But you had that last night, but it's really good. I'm going to have it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> banana split tonight. Got the bananas. <laughs> Comes home with bananas. Oh, yeah, have bananas. Yeah. And tomorrow. And tomorrow. <laughs> But then the second banana split it wasn't as good as the first one. Right. Because <laughs> it was repeated. So I wonder that in those situations, if, you know, because I, I do feel like I have the same conversation with a lot of people mm-hmm. over and over again. And the result, if it is different, it doesn't last long before they resort back. Yeah. Yes. And so at that point, I I never know if I should keep trying to have, you know, I'll try to rephrase or or reform or restructure, I'm trying to think of other words, (laughs) you know, suggestions on how they could approach this issue that's reoccurring. That could be one of the things that's preventing them from, you know, seeing the progress that they want. Mm But I don't know what other conversations to have with them. And at the, if it is it at that point, am I just is it am I a broken record? Is it is I'm I'm keep having these conversations or making suggestions and they're hearing it and maybe giving it a try. But if that's not their pattern, and it's really hard to change, are we wasting both of our time? Uh, yes, but. The, the people have aspirations mm-hmm. that they want to accomplish, yeah. but they don't have the behavioral juice to do it. Mm-hmm. And people will pay for aspiration. It's that is true. And they will pay for the hope. They will pay for the for the goal that, that they don't really want. Because if they wanted it, they would do it. And I don't mean like that they want. There's a difference between wanting it and then having the, the juice to carry it out. Mm-hmm. They're two different things. Agreed. You know, and from a from a I understand from understanding the the, the people's patterns that the the best you can do a person's gonna be physically active who wants to be who's family centered or say they're they're um, health contented where they just have never done it in the past but they want to now mm-hmm. they're gonna have a different achievement level than you'll you'll have. Right. They will. They'll never accomplish what you've accomplished because they just don't have that's not their makeup. So it's it's a matter of tailoring your expectations for them mm-hmm. and, and also putting in front of them the right mix of rewards of what they can achieve based on what they want. For like a health care person doesn't want to go to the doctor. They're going to just not go. Mm-hmm. So you can help them do that. 
part of you being a little more physically active will just you never bother the doctor as much. Right. right. You won't have as many aches and pains to manage mm-hmm. because you're just going to be walking some more. You're, you're not going to say you're going to go weight training four days a week. No, right. never, never. Right. But they go, they'll go walking. Right. You know, so just it's understanding what their limitations are, what their what their strengths and limitations are, and then tailoring to that. Right. And that's your. That's the best you can do. Right. That makes sense. You know, but again, they'll keep paying for aspiration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jenny Craig, every diet thing true, on the yeah. planet. That's a good point. <laughs> is is being is surviving on aspiration. Yeah. Not achievement. Mm-hmm. That's why the diet industry is like a multi-billion-dollar industry. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And what's interesting too that the patterns of adapting to health play in that role too, because there's only one pattern that really likes physical activity. It really wants to achieve and be physically active. And a lot of the research that backs the benefits of exercise are research on those people. Oh. <laughs> it's not research on the people who don't exercise. It's those who do right. have all these health benefits. And the, the, the assumption is if we then get everybody to do it, mm-hmm. they're going to be better off. Right. They're going to be like these people who, who do it naturally. Uh-uh, it won't. It's not going to happen. You look at the U.S. rate of people engaging in the recommended level of exercise, aerobic mm-hmm. physical activity, and weight training, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's been flat at 20%. Oh, wow. For like the past seven years. It had a bump when they first initiated the program. Oh, interesting. But it's been flat. Because you're going to have the 10 to 12% of independently healthy who are naturally doing it, mm-hmm. and maybe 3 to 5% of every other pattern. And that's your 20. You're not going to get much above that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, because even if people, you know, make New Year's resolutions and decide to sign up for the gym or start this class, the, the, the likelihood of them continuing on with that is very unlikely. Oh, very unlikely, but it's it's a hassle. For someone who goes to the gym a lot, like I do, mm-hmm. I wait for March. Oh, I know. <laughs> wait for April, you know, because it thins out. But, but again, after that New Year's resolution time, oh. I know. You know, and the weights are everywhere, and they're never stacked right. And <laughs> you can't find the two and a half because they're somewhere on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's hard at that time of the year. You guys know. Anybody who's either made a resolution to get into the gym more or who is an active gym goer and you see the new people come in, it's hard because I'm, I want to encourage them to to come and yes. do it. And yes. it's, like, great to see all of these new faces in the gym. Um, and it is sad to watch, you know, it's slowly – Thin out thin as out. the months go by. But as someone who does go to the gym often and I, you know, like the availability of equipment and it's nice when it does thin out because right, yes. <laughs> there's all these people in there that aren't in the way that I know aren't going to last. Mm-hmm. Well, because I'm, I'm older too. I mean, I'm in my, my early 60s already. But once, when I see older people come to the gym, I really try to encourage them. Yeah. I say, just do this and you'll... You know, do it this way yeah. and just slowly increase your weight. Don't go fast. Mm-hmm. Just take it slow. Yeah. Um, but it's the best. You're the best. You could be the best place for you because I know the benefits of long term for old, especially for older people right. in the bone health and muscle health and all all kinds of stuff. Um, but they don't. They don't. 
they're gone the next week, and I think, who was the guy I talked to last week, and he just never comes back again. Yeah. I almost feel like they should have separate programs available for the older population. Well, and yes. I feel like they need very, uh, generally speaking, they need more specialized attention and, and you know, exercise prescription for someone who's older. Especially if they haven't been an active person, you know, they mm-hmm. don't necessarily need to go and do the the shoulder press machine. You know, it's probably not what's going to help them. They probably need to practice like sitting, standing up, and sitting back down, and like mm-hmm. getting out of the car, and <laughs> you know, doing functional, very functional things. Like, what happens if you fall down? How are you going to get back up? You know, how are you going to catch yourself if you do fall? You know, things. I feel like there there needs to be more programs. Or trainers, there are trainers like that, but they're very few and far between. Yes, who know how to work with that population. Yes, mm-hmm. but it's a shame because all the research shows that you give a woman who's who's sixty five years old who hasn't done much physical activity at all, but you do twelve weeks of leg extensions with her, mm-hmm. and her quads are bigger, yep. and the bone density of her bones are, are much improved after just 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of consistency, but doing what they can. You know, doing, uh, they're not going to be a, a great bodybuilder or anything like right. that, but that, that's not the point. Yeah. The point is just go and work certain muscle groups mm-hmm. consistently, and they have the long-term benefits. The falls are less after that. You know, and if they, they do fall, they recover much easier, right? Because the bones are stronger. Right. You know, no, there's there's tons of research out there that shows for the elderly population that they get themselves in the gym consistently, mm-hmm. even just twice a week, right, is enough, right? Just sustain, just consistently. Hmm. You know, um, for for a person like me who, I mean, I'm been working out now consistently for five years, mm-hmm. um, but. The the thing that made me feel the best, and all the time I've been going, so I like working out, but when I try to do a, a barbell squat and I fell backwards, mm-hmm. and the barbell flew and I hit the ground, <laughs> but then I got up again. Right. Was that any problem? Yeah. And I was like, hey, I'm not hurt. <laughs> My hip's not broken. <laughs> Yay. No, I, I really felt, okay, it's paid off. Right. Mm-hmm. Recover from a fall like that. Yeah. And well, no one else died. Scary, right? Yes. No one else got hit with a flying barbell. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a real, I made me realize it's worth mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be, have the hardiness. <laughs> right. Right. The strength. Yes. Mm-hmm. Makes a big difference. Okay. I have a, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is, so we talked a little bit about like the, the possible genetic. Yes predisposition towards a path type if if you're say a mom and you wanted could you influence a potential path type that your kids could have no like understanding what you know what the path types are what they're more inclined to lean towards in terms of health Yes, that that you, could that you, could you could influence, but you but it's going to be only to a certain point. Yeah. Because until you see them responding to their environment on their own, 
you're going to see what pops out. I think I, from what I've seen with Dominic, mm-hmm. he's probably going to lean that way. Right. He'll probably lean independently healthy. Yeah. And um, maybe it's less of an influence and more of an observation on their part in terms of what they're observing their parents do. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It could be. It, it could be that. I don't know. I haven't really tracked infants, right. uh, parents, over the year. You know, I mean, right. a path has been around for 30 years, so I know a lot right. about the patterns, but not from the point of view of, other than my experience with you, right. the right. genetic component there. I see signs of, that's a hypothesis to be tested over a longitudinal study that I haven't been able to do yet. Right. Because that would be interesting. Yes, it would. But it, again, it's 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 interesting because I'm working on another project um, around diabetes management and looking at people based on their pattern of adapting to health and how that's influencing their ability to self-manage their diabetes. Mm-hmm. And one of the issues comes up, which is really important to them, is this social support. But you, it's not social support like your wife supports you and the doctors are available for you. It's also is the is the environment a supportive environment for the behavior you want to do. Mm. So, like my, my example would be, um, because I do a lot of working out, I've made my environment have a lot of protein in it, right? So I can supplement for the muscle work, mm-hmm. right? So it, the, in that case, in that context, the, the environment is supportive. Right. Also, the fact that my wife doesn't doesn't mind me doing it. I think if I've, as I've worked out more, my body's got better. She appreciates it better. <laughs> so that's a plus. And I get a little more compliments for her nowadays. So yeah. she says, yeah, keep going doing that. You know, you're fine. Yeah. When I go to the gym more often now, it's like she understands, oh, yeah, because you're going to come back, you know, better shape. Yeah. As before, it's like, what are you going to the gym all the time for? Right. You know, why, why do you spend so much time there? You're addicted. Yeah. You're addicted to the gym. Because she doesn't want to go. <laughs> you know, I'm addicted because she doesn't want to go. That's the right. bottom line. Right, right, right. She doesn't want to be addicted like I am. Right. But now she's starting to pick it up more because she sees, he's looking too good now. <laughs> got to keep up. Yeah, I, I got to keep up with that. A lot of young girls at the gym. I'm going to be a little more, you know. I can, I can know she's thinking that. Yeah. Because she always brings it up. Who, who flirted with you today? I said, nobody. <laughs> nobody flirted with me. I go to the gym, I work out, and then come back home. Right. <laughs> you know, but I can see her mind working, and, uh-huh. and it's a different motivation strike different people. Yeah. But the whole point is that, that a supportive environment is different from having social support. She That's does true. support me going. Right. But you have to create an environment that allows you to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, people, the big problem with people especially like with dieting part, right. is that they keep the stuff they still want to eat right. in the house. Right. And it's sitting there uh-huh. in the package, screaming at them. Mm-hmm. And what's really bad is that uh, studies in neuroscience, recent studies have shown that when you have a goal, something in the environment which is a goal for you, a goal-directed thing like eating those targets of cookies over there, they appear bigger. They're, they appear larger in size. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Subconsciously, that's the thing, that the brain will spot them and accentuate them in your brain so that they stand out in the environment and they look bigger. Oh, no. So if yeah. there's cookies on, in your pantry yes. and you walk in there, you'll see them more. Mm-hmm. 
it's like they'll <laughs> scream at you as you walk by another in there, another in there, another in there. Does anybody does anybody listening relate to that? Maybe. Yeah, but the, that's that's the hard part about um, the self programming. Mm-hmm. People we just self program because right. our habits are formed to be more efficient in accomplishing what we want to accomplish. Interesting. And when you try to change that, you're trying to reprogram yourself, and it's hard uh, because. Because of a lack of physical activity, you don't have that part of your brain that allows you to more efficiently self-regulate your behavior Mm -hmm. and say no to certain things and yes to others. It's this vicious cycle, but that's what happens. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So you're not just making bad decisions. No, you're making the best decisions for you. Right. You're making decisions based on what you want to accomplish. And there's a difference between the long-term thing. I know if I did this, I'd be better off. Right. But I want the short-term instead. Yeah. And people make that. There's actually a, a new theory around behavioral be, behavioral science and health psychology, that kind of stuff that accentuates that the, the issue of every behavior we do, this is actually consistent with PATH, oh. that every behavior we do is adaptive. It's, it's not maladaptive from our point of view. You know, other might say you're eating too many of those cookies or you smoke the cigarettes or whatever it is, and it's bad for you long term. You're going to increase your cancer, but that people keep doing it because there's an adaptive benefit in the short term. Right. And it works in the short term. It helps me cope, mm-hmm. helps me deal with my environment better. Right. You know, so there is no maladaptive behavior. From, from your point of view, everything you do is justified. Yep. Even if you know you shouldn't do it. Right, which is so interesting for me to have a conversation with a client who has a goal, but when we when we look at their behavior and like, okay, well, how did the week go? What decisions did you make? You know, it's one thing for me to see them not following the plan as they're making excuses as to, oh, well, this came up and so it just was easier for me to do this than that or... Mm-hmm. But if that's just their programming yes and then it's obviously frustrating for me because I'm like well, why did you do that <laughs> but that's the difference between that's the difference between a, a goal a true goal versus an aspiration right. they're different mm-hmm. you know when a person sets a goal you, you, you have to tailor it to that to what they can accomplish right. and you have to say okay now after the first week of doing you didn't do the goal I had excuses for mm-hmm. it Okay, let's lower the goal. Right. Yep. You know, and that's what we end up doing a lot. Yes. It's like sometimes people aren't ready to do carb night. We got to just take it one step at a time. Like, mm-hmm. let's not have carbs for breakfast and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. We really have to ease into it yes. and set almost—I mean, not just reasonable goals on a day-to-day basis, but something that's like the the baby of baby steps. Yes. <laughs> Practice this for a while. Mm-hmm. We got that down. Okay. Maybe we're ready for something else. I feel feel like that's also why I tell a lot of new clients to not worry about the exercise part at first. Let's just focus on the food. Because, you know, they come and they want to make all of these changes at the same time, and they're usually totally unrealistic. Not be able to do that. So let's not worry about the exercise. We'll just focus on the food, and then we'll start with the baby of baby steps. Mm-hmm. And see how that goes, but also being able to have that conversation with somebody as to 
this is what you're telling me that you want. But for what I'm hearing, you're not ready to do that. Right. So I think we should start here. And I don't know, I'd say 50% understand that. Mm -hmm. And they say, maybe you're right. And then the other 50% thinks, no, 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 no. That's not why, you know, I'm I'm contacting you. I want to do this. Mm -hmm. But based off of, you know, their intake form or something that they said, Mm -hmm. like, I don't see this going well. Right. You're going to be disappointed. Right. But being confident in, in, you know, knowing how to phrase that to them. Yes. Like, hey, I I don't see this happening for you in this way. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. Tough conversations. There's yes. a lot of tough conversations. <laughs> yes, but but you know the the issue. One thing that tells me about with the with the path is that everyone has a different pattern and a different approach, and trying to be a, in another pattern without naturally being there mm-hmm. is is going to make you disappointed. Right. It's going to because the, the aspiration is different. Yeah. You know the the the. Not the, the aspiration, but the the goal you want to reach is kind of unattainable. Right. I mean, it, it, it is for, it is from a from a um, the, the level of work you have to do mm-hmm. to to get there. Right. You're gonna you know be tired. You'll 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 <laughs> you'll just be tired of it. Mm-hmm. There's too much change. It's a tough one. But you know the diet part too. One of the reasons why there's more diet. You know, the first option is change your diet. It's not go exercise. Right. It's you know there's there's, there's all these diet pl- programs out there because diets is is a, there's more patterns out there of the path that will try diet, but there's only right. one that does exercise. Interesting. So there's there's like of the, the nine patterns, there's three that will try diet. They will be open to adjust their diet as part of their behavioral pattern to deal with diet, but not the exercise part. Uh, yeah. So there's all these diet options out there. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons. Right. That makes sense. Well, in the aspiration. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes. Aspiration in the, the in the adaptive health behavior inventory, which is the questionnaire. Mm-hmm. The question that people respond to a lot is, I really try to keep myself in top physical shape. I try to keep myself in top physical shape. When you ask them the questions about, how often do you work out? Right. Oh, not very often. But I try. <laughs> I really try. You know, what's your diet like? Oh, I eat this and I eat that. And it's 80% really good. Yeah. You know, but physically, no. I, no, but I really try to keep myself in top physical shape. The the uh, pattern for a traditionalist pattern, they really say that strongly. They're one of the people who report that the strongest. That they Physical just... activity, pfft, no, bumpkiss. <laughs> you know, eating well, no, no, no. They don't do it. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, but they try. But as part of their, they feel like they're really working at it. You know, and they're they're not. They're actually the most frail people out there. When you look at them in a population of people, uh-huh. so when they get older, they're very frail, elderly, hearing aids. They're going to walk around with a lot of, with a pill case, walking. You know, mm-hmm. they're just not very. They're going to have the broken hip, all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, but they try. Gosh, it makes me think of 
grandma and grandpa. <laughs> I literally <laughs> think of them when you said that. <laughs> well, because last time I went to go visit, you know, she she ordered, she hurt her hip. You know, she's got the walker now. She does have a pill case full of pills that include stuff for her diabetes. Mm-hmm. But she ordered ice cream for brunch. Mm-hmm. She's like, you know, I've been so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really want the ice cream for brunch. You know, but I've been trying, so I feel like I should have the ice cream. Yes. And then I'm gonna, just going to take the, the other, pill. other pills that yeah, I need Yeah, the to pill take. to compensate for the fact that I didn't, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, but almost every time I visit, you have ice cream. <laughs> but that's like your older sister. Yeah, it's true. You know, mm-hmm. she will really work at her diet and, and you know, I, treat I, myself. I, I, I made I really good <laughs> for the last three hours. I'm going to have my snack now to compensate for the fact and reward myself for the last three hours of good dieting I did. Right. You know, and then, and then at six o'clock for the next three hours, I'll reward myself again. <laughs> yeah, we're so different. Very different. So interesting. Yeah. So interesting. Well, if any of you are curious about the path types and learning more about them, you could definitely again check out the patterns of pattern of health, patterns of health, and read about them. And you can't see where you're at, though, right? Hmm? They can't take the test. No, but I'm working on the ability to to uh, actually I'm starting to write chapters to update the book. Wonderful. And also there'll be an online test that, that people can go and actually take the assessment and get their pattern nice. and figure out what pattern they actually fall into mm-hmm. and then look at the long-term health implications of the fact that they have that pattern. Right. And maybe that'll help them make better decisions around where they're spending their time and money. Yes. Well, you know, the the thing uh, why, why I do want to make it available so people can get their own pattern mm-hmm. because awareness is the first step. Right. Agreed. If you don't uh, know where you're coming from and a lot of the influence of the patterns is unconscious right people don't know they're following this certain pattern which is a very predictable one mm-hmm. that has predictable outcomes to it yeah and once you're aware now you're aware now you know right you may not want to say I don't really care you can right. say that but there are some who are going to go I want to do something about that I want to feel like I have more control over what happens to me long term mm-hmm. and how do I do it now right is the next step but awareness is the first step, Definitely. like anything. Yeah, agreed. Just has me thinking of so many different conversations I need to have with people now. <laughs> and that's true. Yeah. Because you need nine scripts. Right, I do. You need nine mm-hmm. different scripts. Although I do get a lot of the same type, I feel like, even oh, without yes. having to sure. you know, have them take the test. Yes. I have a good sense of what a lot of people's types are based off of the conversations that we have Mm -hmm. and the way that they, even just the way that they reach out, the way that they, you know, if they write an email inquiring, you know, how they phrase a lot of things in that email. Right. I feel like gives me, it gives me a good amount of information of what that next conversation is going to be like Mm -hmm. around, you know, are are you ready for this? That's why we, I do the consultations is 
I need to know also, like, if they're actually ready to do this. Right. The consultation's for them, not for me. It's for me, well, it's for me to know if I, A, feel like I can help them, B, feel like it's worth the time, commitment, because there are a lot of people who need help, and I don't want to spend a month helping someone who isn't ready for the help at all, um, or who doesn't realize what they're getting themselves into. Right. (laughs) Which a lot of people don't. No. Or they do, and they think that they can do it. But then when we start doing it. But that's what I got when I did, um, um, with Body O, started Mm -hmm. doing counseling with people and having them take the assessment and give them feedback on the pattern they had and what it meant. And I could see how their situation was intermixed with the pattern they had. And and knowing full well that without concerted effort on their part, they're not going to change. Right. If there's the the the, the self programming is too intense, yeah. it's too set to um, to then on your own think I'm going to go and you need to do something different. Right. You know, I, I think to, to have a person really try to change their pattern, it, it it's going to be like a twenty four week. Right. thing where they here's the steps you're going to go through and uh, I mean that's why psychoanalysis goes on for years right, it's true. because you're getting on you're trying to uncover routines of behavior and patterns and, and habit goals and habit type stuff that until you can examine those in, the, in a kind of intensive way then you are able to change them after that. Right. And plus the, the fact you, you're given that much time and effort to doing the exploration, self-exploration that the change is possible. Right. Because it's this level of commitment. Yeah. When I talk about that a lot on the show is the mindset part of it and how there's, I mean, especially I feel like for women in dieting, there's so much early influence that they don't realize that they had either from watching how they mo- their mom ate or you know how they the emotional ties to food that they developed when they were young and how that's affected their relationship with food now and and it does take a lot of looking at old behaviors looking at how these patterns were established looking at very uncomfortable perhaps uncomfortable things that either happened when they were younger that influenced, you know, triggered something in them, whether it's like a disordered eating pattern, you know, someone told them that skinny, you know, skinny girls are beautiful. And then they got that in their head that, that like, I have to be skinny in order to be beautiful. It's just interesting to look once we start digging how deep we have to go. And some people aren't ready to do that kind of digging. Yes. But also keep in mind that, that most people like you mm-hmm. and like me we think of a mindset we're thinking about our pattern yeah. that we're that we were we were kind of have the disposition to have already mm-hmm. and so it's I think it's not a fair it's not fair to have people under their patterns to say you don't have the right mindset because the mindset you have you have it by the fact that you're independently healthy right. it isn't something you created something you have mm-hmm. and that that Saying, telling people you don't have the right mindset. No, they just don't need you have your mindset. Right. It's different. Yeah. You know, if a person really wants to change, 
um, then they have to understand what it's going to take to change. But it's not because they have the wrong mindset. Right. They have their mindset. That's their mindset. That's <laughs> the, you know, what I mean that. And that's the thing that that a lot of physical trainers, good ones, decent physical trainers, aren't mm-hmm. really healthy. Otherwise, they wouldn't be physical right. trainers. It wouldn't be. Yeah. And they have to recognize that, and most don't. They think their physical achievements is their fault mm-hmm. because they have they are able to adopt the right mindset because they are able to do no. No, yeah. it's because they're in a pattern that has all the best outcomes mm-hmm. that are very physically active and that kind of thing. It's it's in it's innate part of them. Yeah. In their environment. And that's where the the physical trainers I think fail. In the right. sense they don't realize that their good fortune was a luck of the draw. Yeah. Mhm. Not because of what they did. Right. You know, yeah, you think, oh, you're so motivated, my wife says to me. You're so motivated. I go, yeah, I know, but I don't know where that came from at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know because yeah. my dad wasn't, my mom wasn't. I just happen to be in the pattern that can do it. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. I realize that it's not because I'm anything special that I did something right. No. A luck of the draw for me, yeah. too. Interesting. I feel like we could talk about this much more than we're going to today because <laughs> we have to wrap things up soon. But if you guys have any questions or, or this sparked something that you want to know more about, I mean, we, I could have you don't have to be in studio for me to have you on the show again. Okay. So we could definitely plan to dig into something a little bit deeper. And I mean, it'd almost be interesting to have a client take the to the test, see where they're at, talk to them about it on the show. Mm-hmm. That could be interesting. Yes. Okay. What's interesting, too, is that you're going to find out that they know exactly, once they get the results, yeah. oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Uh-huh. And then saying, so here, if this is what you want, here's your hurdles. Yeah. Oh, that could be fun. Okay, we're going to do that. It's settled. Okay. <laughs> I have two people in mind. But if you're interested, you can always <laughs> inquire. Well, I think that they would. But they've already talked to me about wanting to know their type. So oh, fantastic. I think they'd be good candidates. And they they be open to talk, having a, a conversation publicly, essentially, about <laughs> their behavior. So, okay, that could be fun. All right. We're going to wrap it up there. Thanks for joining me, Dad. Thank you, Alex. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Her Body. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye. You've been listening to Her Body on Body IOFM with your host, Alex Navarro. And if you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance.